0: Hey guys, good to see you today. Uh, We are gonna jump back into our sermon series entitled Make It Count. This is part four. And uh, we've got two more Sundays in this sermon series. We're gonna talk about what it looks like to leave a spiritual legacy. And then we're also gonna talk about the why behind uh, why we are even doing this as a church. And so I'm excited about uh, the next uh, two Sundays and then it's gonna be a Foothills Christmas. Hard to believe. You got three weeks, by the way, update three weeks to get ready essentially for Christmas. So uh, I'm sure everybody is as uh, stressed about that. But uh, Foothills Christmas is a fantastic, awesome experience. This is the day where we really encourage you to invite friends, invite your neighbors, and invite family. It's a clear gospel presentation. It's gonna be a fantastic uh, just time to celebrate the birth of Christ. I love a Foothills Christmas service. Every single, uh, every single year it comes around. And, and then uh, we're gonna do a couple of things differently in this Christmas season. Uh, so we've got a Christmas Eve service that we're gonna stream uh, starting Christmas Eve afternoon so that you can gather with your family. I know everybody, a lot of people have plans and that kind of thing, but you can incorporate that into your Christmas Eve plan and, and experience that. We'll take communion together to be a special time, and uh, we'll utilize technology for that. And, and then the, uh, the Sunday after a Foothills Christmas, so the last Sunday essentially of the year, is uh, going to be a Sunday that we all gather online. Uh, and, and only do an online service. And the reason for that is is obviously during this season, um, half of our people are back and that means half of our volunteers. And that Sunday is always a particular hard Sunday to get enough volunteers to pull off all the amazing ministries that we have here on this campus. Um, and this year, a little bit even more challenging. And so, uh, with, with fewer are already. And so, we thought, you know what, let's focus our attention on an online gathering and uh, have a recap of the whole year. So, it's going to be a, a recap, a rewind of 2020, the good parts of 2020, and uh, all the great things that God has done. So, I'm excited about that service. Then, we're going to jump into, in January, a series where we work through the book of Ecclesiastes. So, that's is already changing my life as I'm preparing and study for that. Uh, tons of wisdom, a lot of great, great stuff. So we've got a lot going on. It's gonna be a fantastic season. And uh, if you've got your Bibles today, let's go to the, the book of James chapter four. And we're gonna talk about how to make a good plan. And essentially we don't wanna make a bad plan. As we think about uh, this idea and concept of making it count, we don't wanna waste our life. We wanna make it count that means we're gonna have to do a bit of planning. And so we don't wanna make a bad plan. We wanna make a a really good plan. And I know uh, for my life, I have made some bad plans uh, from time to time. Uh, When when my kids were little, um, we wanted to take them on a trip. By the way, my family moved to Knoxville when I was in sixth grade. And before that, I lived in Cincinnati, Ohio. And so I wanted to take uh, my kids when they were little uh, back to Cincinnati to kind of experience some of the fun stuff that I experienced as a kid. And so we went to a Reds game. Uh, we stayed at this indoor water park called the Wolf Lodge and, and uh, ate at all my favorite restaurants. And it was just uh, one, one of those trips where I, I remember so fondly when we got to the, to the indoor water park. It's kind of like a Disney World where, well, not really, but kind of in some ways. And you go in and they give you like these little Uh, wolf ears to put on your kids and the kids loved it and, you know, slides and all the fun stuff and just had a great, great experience. And then fast forward, um, not long ago, my kids are teenagers and I thought, you know what, that was such a great uh, weekend. That was such a great plan. Let's go do it again, right? And so um, how many parents have teenagers in the room? So just pray for us, real quick prayer for all these uh, parents. And so uh, I decided to take the kids back. And so uh, this time though, because of the stage of life was a little bit different, totally different experience, right? We go to the indoor water park. It was so awesome last time. But have you ever seen a kid's, a teenager's reaction when people try to put little wolf ears on their head? It was awkward from, from, from step one, and it wasn't a good experience. Like, uh, they didn't want to do the water park deal, and, 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 and that wasn't good. They don't even like the restaurants that I liked, and, and so it was kind of a frustrating weekend. My wife and I are sitting by the wave pool by ourselves, watching all the other families have a good time. Um, the plan did not work out, and so uh, I don't know about you, but in my life, I've made some good plans, but I've had my fair share of some really uh, bad plans that didn't work out the way that I wanted them to. And I bet if we sat down today and, and uh, had a cup of coffee together, we could probably swap some stories of some, some bad plans and some, some things that happened in our life that, that we didn't expect, that we definitely didn't plan. And, and uh, for some of you, that might have been a, a, a marriage and, and you, you had a plan, you had a direction, but it, it didn't work out the way that you wanted it to. Uh, for some of you, it might be a business plan or a business deal and you were gonna do this and you, you, you thought what you had was a really good plan but it, it didn't work out the way that, that maybe you expected. Maybe you thought that work was gonna slow down a bit and, and so that was your plan but, but work has just kind of exploded for you and so you're busier than ever. Uh, we all have, have made plans that didn't quite work out the way that we wanted them but that doesn't mean that we should stop making plans. Just because we've messed up and we've not had some good ones in the past doesn't mean that we should stop planning. In fact, uh, God is a planner. And so when you read the Bible, you see that God is, is very clearly planning and orchestrating um, everything in life. And if you look at Genesis 1, 2, and 3, you see that every day God had a specific plan to create something. And when Adam and Eve sinned, uh, God wasn't surprised. He, he had a plan and a way for our salvation already planned. And and uh, so all throughout the Bible, you see that God is a planner. You also see that the people in the Bible are planners. And so you look at a guy like Moses. Uh, he had a plan to get his people out of slavery, out of bondage and into the promised land. Uh, you see guys like Nehemiah who, who had a plan to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and, and bring back order and bring back uh, the worship of, of God in the city. You see, uh, even Jesus and, and his plan was to invest in the 12 men, disciple them, grow them. His plan was to uh, be a sacrifice on the cross, paying our debt, raising from the grave, and then giving the great commission to the 12 disciples that revolutionized and changed the world as we know it. God is a planner. People all throughout the Bible uh, make plans. The Bible gives in, uh, specific instructions uh, that we are to look at and to um, take heed of when it comes to making plans. And so you see in Luke 14, 28, it says, suppose one of, of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? It's kind of common sense, but how many of us actually run up credit cards and buy things that we can't really afford? You know, when it comes to renovating the space next door, when it comes to the 2021 budget here at our church, our, our pastors, our elders work diligently and prayerfully to create a budget, to create uh, systems and, and, and plan in such a way that we're not gonna jump into something that we can't fund, we can't afford. So when you're gonna buy a house, when you're gonna buy a car, when you're gonna buy anything, we have to count the cost. Can we really afford this? We see in Proverbs 15, it says plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. So we have this concept that when you make a plan, you don't just create it on your own. You talk to godly men and women in your life and you seek that counsel from them. People who have been there, who have done that, they, they, they have some experience and so you seek that counsel out. These are just a few ways that, that the Bible teaches us on how to create a plan. But here in James chapter four, uh, I I, I love it because it's so practical and clear. And, And what James is gonna show us is that when we make a plan, we are gonna face at least three temptations. They, are, they could also be called mistakes that you and I typically make when it comes to a plan. And so I have experienced these, I have made these mistakes. Uh, most likely you have made these mistakes as well. And so I want us to learn, I want us to grow, and I want us to walk away today with an understanding of how we can make a plan that's actually going to honor God. So let's start, James chapter 4, We're gonna start in verse three, if you have your Bibles. If not, you can look here at the screen. He says, "'Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, "'we will go into such and such a town "'and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. "'Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. "'What is your life? "'For you are a mist that appears for a little time "'and then vanishes. "'Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. Let's go back to the first verse here, verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such town and spend a year and trade and make a profit. Now, in this one verse, you have a clear strategy and plan for how to create a plan, right? And I love it. And so when you think about it, when you look at it, it's, it's one of these verses that teach us so much. I could teach on this. I, I think we should take this outline and I think we should apply it to our life. If you break it down, here's what he says. He has the why to his plan. The why to his plan was we're going to make a profit. Why are we going? We're gonna make A He talks about the what of the plan. What are we gonna do? We're gonna have business. We're gonna go there to work. We're gonna go there to trade, right? So he has the what. He talks about the when. When is this gonna happen? It's a smart goal, right? He has a specific time, which is today or tomorrow, we're actually gonna go. And then he talks about the where. Where are we going to go to do this? Where we're gonna go to such and such town, he says. It's a specific place. And then finally, he talks about the how. And and, and specifically the, how long is this going to actually take? So we're gonna stay a year there. Now, at first glance, this is an awesome plan. If you're gonna create a plan or strategy for 2021, this is one of those things that you could look at and say, man, I need to answer these questions and I need to have my, my why, I need to have my what, I need to know when, I need to know where, and I need to know how long it's actually going to take. So what's the problem? What's the problem? What's the mistake in in this short verse that he's actually making? Well, there's at least one mistake that I want you to recognize. It's a mistake that I've made. Maybe it's a mistake that you're making today. And the mistake is that we make a plan without God. You make a plan without God. Not one time does he mention prayer. Not one time does he talk about seeking God. Not one time is he uh, interested in doing or creating or fulfilling a plan that actually God wants him to do. There's no mention of God at all. And notice this is actually a business plan. It's a business plan because he's going to go work. He's going to a town, he's gonna trade and he wants to make a profit. So he's creating this business plan and he is not including God in his plan. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go there. And he fails to seek God. Now, with many business leaders here in the room, I think some are most likely creating and and developing plans without God. You're committing this same mistake that James is warning us about today. Because you create a business plan, but in that plan, you are failing to include and to seek and to abide in God's will and God's direction. For your life. And essentially what business leaders try to do, sometimes we go, okay, this is my business plan. This is my spiritual life. This is my sex life. This is my family life. This is my financial plan. And what we do is we try to compartmentalize the various aspects of our life. And when we do that, we actually think that we can please God that way. Oh, Sundays is my, my spiritual life. Small group is my spiritual life. But but when it comes to Monday morning and my business plan, that doesn't have anything to do with God. I love what the old pastor once said. He said, if Jesus isn't Lord of all, Jesus isn't Lord at all. If Jesus isn't Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And the point and the concept here is you you come to faith in Jesus and he saves you and you're not giving him authority of part of your life, You're not submitting to Jesus in certain areas of your life when he saves you. No, you are surrendering all of your life. You are saying my business, my finances, my family, my leadership, my spiritual life, every aspect of my life, I surrender to your Lordship, Jesus. I give you authority of it all. And see, the reality is God owns everything anyway. He's directing anything. He's in control anyway. So it only makes sense for us to actually relinquish that control and recognize God as in his rightful place, which is having all authority. We sing that song here on Sundays, all authority. You know, I I sing that all authority belongs to you, but sometimes we step out of here and on Monday morning, we act like all authority belongs to me. We're not seeking God, we're not seeking his direction and we essentially just begin to live this life that is just a self-sufficient life. I'm good, God, I'll let you know when I need you. I'm okay, Lord, and I'm gonna do my thing and if there's any bumps in the road, I'll be sure to come begging and asking you to fix something. You would never say you don't need God, but your actions show and prove that you're not living a life that has given God control and authority of your life. Here's what James says in verse 15. Instead of living your life and making your own plan and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that, he says instead, this, is your, this should be your attitude. You ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and when we do this or we will do that. It's, a, it's an attitude shift. It's a heart surrender. It's a mentality Verbally, we're saying this. Mentally, we're believing this. Spiritually, we've submitted to this. And so he, he says, this is what you ought to say. No, notice in verse 14, it was, I am gonna do this. We are gonna go there. We're gonna fulfill this. We're gonna make a profit. We're gonna do all this great stuff. And he says, no, that's not your attitude. Your attitude should be if the Lord allows it, if the Lord wills, we'll do that. See, it's a slight change, but it makes all the difference in the world on how you live your life he essentially is saying that we are dependent on God, right? In, in, in two specific ways. We're dependent on God for our life. All of life is dependent on God. So when we're thinking about who we're living for, when we're thinking about obedience to God, like we're recognizing here that, that we are completely dependent upon him for our life. The second way that we're dependent is when we do this or that. And that pretty much is a general way to say everything in your life. Like everything that you would decide, every action, everything that you would do in life, he's saying is under the authority of God. And so we're dependent on God for life. We're dependent on God to do everything or anything in this life. That's why Proverbs 3, 6 says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will do what? He will direct your path if you are not acknowledging him in all of these different areas, then I guess we shouldn't expect him to direct our path, right? And so it's important that in all these areas, we have a mind and an attitude shift and adjustment if the Lord allows this or wills this. That means that my plan has to be a flexible plan, right? Any plan that you create, even if it's to do this for the Lord, it's gotta be a flexible plan. Why? Well, because you're not in control. You, you, you were pretty surprised like I was when a global pandemic hit us back in March. Like it changed everything. It changed our plans. Most of us were not ready for something like that. We didn't know how to, how to adjust. It's, it's taken us time. We're still adjusting, right? We recognize that God is in control. And so it's a flexible plan. We wanted to start renovations uh, back in the spring and, and, and even into the summer, when COVID hit, changes everything. We kind of hit the brakes. We want to, okay, what about the fall? And, and God just didn't allow it. And so now here we are, we're gonna wait for the vision offering. We're gonna see um, what, what, what that looks like and, 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 and why? Because it's a flexible plan. You know, we don't, we, don't, we don't say, okay, this is what we're gonna do 100%. God may come along and say, you know what? That's actually not how you're gonna accomplish it. That's not how you're gonna do it. And see, this requires faith. It requires trust. It requires adjusting and trusting God. I have a plan. I have a direction. I pray about it. I seek counsel about it. I feel good about it. I know it's biblical. I know it's right. So we're moving in that direction. And then COVID happens. And then things happen. And so what do we do? We adjust and we trust. We adjust and we trust that God is in control. And so this year uh, has been a lot of that. A lot of adjusting, and hopefully for you, trusting in God. I know this is the part that we hate, though. We get frustrated. <laughs> I had a plan. And some of you love that plan. And when somebody doesn't follow the plan right, or it gets changed or adjusted or, or, or didn't work out the way that you wanted to, immediately you get angry. You start blaming people. If you would have, if you would have, Sometimes we even blame God. Where were you at? You should have come through. We blame God. We blame others. Why is this? Because our pride is so large. Our pride is growing. Our arrogance is growing. Why? Because it's my plan. Doggone it. Don't go messing with my plan. And what James says is that kind of attitude reveals a prideful heart. It reveals an arrogance in your in your life. And so he says in verse 16, as it is, if you don't seek God, if you're making a plan without God, you boast in your arrogance. And all such boasting is evil. Boasting. All such boasting. I will do this, I will do that, here's my plan, and we and we don't don't include God in that equation. We're not going to him first in that equation. James says it's evil. <laughs> it's pretty harsh, isn't it? I mean, you didn't you didn't think that or, or, or I will say this: you, you wouldn't necessarily consider yourself an evil person, right? You're, you would probably consider yourself pretty much a decent person. Like I'm taking care of my family. I'm, I'm coming to church, right? I, I'm doing okay. And James says, "Well, if you've made a plan without God, it's evil. It's prideful. It's arrogance. It's one of the biggest mistakes that we make in life. We make a plan without God." And so as I'm praying for my own uh, direction and own life, I'm making decisions, I'm creating a plan. I, I, I want to say, God, don't allow me to take another step unless it's a step in faith. God, don't let me walk through another door unless it's, it's a door that you have opened for me. And if you're adjusting, God, help me to trust in you and, and help me to take and be willing to take that step. It's adjusting it's trusting. As we come into this 2021 vision, we have a flexible plan. Like we want to see what happens with the vision offering. We know that we, we've got to renovate at some point. I pray and I believe that it's going to be in January. Based on, on the giving and, and, and the hope is that this is the biggest offering we've ever had. It propels us. It fuels us to be able to do that. We believe that next fall, beginning and starting a new location is the direction that God wants us to it's going to depend on a location it's going to depend on several things that come into play we're following that plan we're trusting we're also knowing that God might adjust he might do it sooner he might give us way more fuel or more resources to do it and so we're able to do it sooner but either way we adjust either way we are trusting and so James's point here is don't make a plan without seeking God Here's the second mistake that we often make as we make our own plans. Our mistake is that we fail to recognize the brevity of life. We fail to recognize the brevity of life. In verse 14, he says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. He says, you're a mist, you're a vapor, you're a, you're a puff of smoke the word here in Greek is the word atmos. It's where we get our word atmosphere. And so it's, 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 it's like this breath. His, his point is that life is brief. Therefore, don't assume that you have a lot of time left. Now, again, this is one of the biggest mistakes that we make in our entire life. We assume that we have plenty of time. I've got you know tomorrow to take care of that. And so we'll procrastinate. You know, we'll we'll, we'll take care of this when we get around to it. And James says, do not assume that you have a lot of time left. There's a lot of college students in the room, maybe some high school students. And sometimes the mentality for you as a young person is, you know what, I'm going to live it up, I'm going to do my thing, I'm going to, here's my plan, God, and I'm just going to do what I feel is right and good And then one day, you know, I'll get older. It'll be time to settle down, maybe get married, have some kids. That's when I'll get serious about my faith. Right now, I'm just gonna kind of live. And James would say, do not assume that you have a lot of time left on this earth. I was reminded just last Sunday, I went to a funeral of a 25-year-old young man. I'd known his father for many years I've known him his entire life. He got caught up into drugs and uh, one thing led to another and, and um, he died alone in his apartment. A very tragic story. And, and I, 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 I hear what everyone says about him. I hear the message that is, that is preached at his funeral and my heart breaks for families and young people and, and, and what, what we end up doing is we just continually to put off what we know we're supposed to do. We continually procrastinate. And Satan lies to us and says, you can take care of it later. You're doing okay. Just one more time. Just, just, just a few more weeks. You're, you're in control. You can stop whenever you wanna Stop. You can get a handle of it whenever you choose to get a handle of it. But right now, I just choose not to get a handle on it. And before too long, it's too late. Our time is short. It's like a breath, breath, it's like a vapor. Some of you are adamant about planning your weekends, but some of you have never planned your eternity. You you wanna make sure you've got something to do on Friday night or Saturday night, but you fail to plan for your eternity, the most important plan and and understanding that you will ever come to in your life. And God's plan for us is that he sent his son, Jesus. That's why we even celebrate Christmas, right? And Jesus isn't just coming to be a good example for us. He is coming to, to show us how to live, but he's also dying on the cross to take your place. You deserve that cross. You deserve that punishment because of your sin, but Jesus took it upon himself. By his wounds, we are healed. He dies. On the third day, he raises from uh, the grave, giving us power over sin to defeat sin, giving us hope in the face of death. Now, no longer do we have to fear uh, death. We don't have to fear this life because through Jesus, by faith in him, we can have a relationship with our creator We can know him, we can live with purpose, we can have meaning and the gospel beckons us to submit to it now, not later. There are hundreds if not thousands of promises in the Bible that we can cling to. But you know that you will not find the promise of tomorrow in the Bible. God never promises you tomorrow. In fact, this verse teaches us the exact opposite. This verse teaches us the brevity of life. But that doesn't lead us to fear. Some people see that and they get demotivated and fearful, but we don't fear because we've read the end of the story. We know that Jesus wins. We know that our eternity by faith in Jesus is with him. So we don't fear. In fact, fear is the exact opposite of faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. And so what have we been experiencing in 2020? A lot of fear. Politicians know if you want to win an election, who can generate the most fear? And everywhere you turn, be afraid. You better be afraid. You better be afraid. Everything's going to pot. Everything's going to be get blown up. Fear. What's the difference between a, 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 a person who has faith in Christ and the normal person in, in, in the world? A follower of Jesus doesn't fall victim to that fear. Why? Because we know who's in control. We know he has a plan. We know that he cares for us. We know that he's with us. We know that in all things, he will get the glory. It'll be for my good. And one day I will be with him forever in eternity, right? So that fear doesn't grip us because the opposite of fear is faith. So we walk by faith. So we don't wanna fail to see the brevity of life. And here's the third mistake that we often make. The third mistake is we postpone what we know God tells us to do. We postpone what God is telling us to do today. So in verse 17, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. So if you know the right thing to do and you fail to do it, God says it's sin. So when we make our plan, sometimes we know what we're supposed to do, but we'll do something completely different. We've all done this. We, 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 we know what we're supposed to do, but we postpone it. We'll, we push it to the side. We get busy. We get distracted. And so even though we know it's what we're supposed to do, either fear, distraction, you name it, gets in the way, and we don't do the thing that God is calling us to do, the, the thing that God is telling us to do. And so... What do we have to do? Well, we gotta go after it. We gotta get after it. Whatever God is telling you to do, you have to go, you gotta go for it. You can't wait for you know, the, the right president. You can't wait until COVID is better. You can't wait until family members do X, Y, and Z. You've gotta do what God is telling you to do now. And we've gotta get after it now. The brevity of life. We don't postpone what we know God wants us to do today. And if we do, it's sin. Now, the Bible talks about two kinds of sin, the sin of commission and the sin of omission. And you know the difference. Uh, the, the sin of commission, we are committing a sin. We are, we are actively stealing or lying or, or, or hurting, right? And, and, and a sin of omission means that we are omitting something that God expects us to do. So we are omitting forgiving or loving someone. We are oh, oh, omitting being generous uh, and we're omitting ministry in our life. And some people think that they're you know, good Christians, but they have omitted so many commands in scripture that when it comes to a verse like this, you have to recognize that there are huge sinful areas in your life that are preventing you from living life to the fullest, preventing you from worshiping and honoring God. One of the things I believe God is calling FC to do is to multiply this location. And so when I talk about a sin of omission for me as the, as the lead pastor, if I didn't lead in this way, if I didn't have this desire and I wasn't taking steps to multiply uh, our campus, our location and, and create a new location, I truly believe it would be a sin of omission in my life. And so that's why I have to take these steps and, and I, I have to lead in this way. And when you study the Bible, you understand uh, what God's plan for his church is. You know what the great commission is. You, you know what the win of God's church is, and that is to make disciples. And so when you look at the book of Acts, you see over and over again that the early church planted churches to make disciples, And almost every scenario planning churches was how they made disciples. And so you see Paul uh, going into cities where the gospel had never been preached and he preaches the gospel. People come to faith. He secondly helps them grow in their faith. Thirdly, then he raises up pastors and elders to lead those uh, communities. And And then finally he would go to another city and do it all over again. So in the Bible, we see that making disciples is is very closely tied to multiplying and and creating new churches. And so when we talk about FC multiplying our location, um, we would see the scripture and we could say, okay, well, this is a very good and noble and right uh, thing that we should pursue and and a very blessed thing that that we should consider. And then the question would be, okay, well, uh, how do we know this is the right time and how do we know where to go? Well, let's talk about timing for a second. Uh, whatever, uh, for whatever reasons, we believe God and we've seen God bless this church. He's, he's blessed the ministries here. He's sent people here. We've seen people get saved. We've seen people grow in their faith, small groups uh, growing and, and uh, mission growing. And, and so we, we believe that what we are doing here, we can reproduce. But not only can we reproduce what we're doing here, we can also sustain it. We can, we can send people to it. We can, we can uh, fund it. So everything that we would try to do to try to multiply and and, and grow, we would want to know that it's reproducible and we would need to know that we can actually sustain it. Two years ago, neither one of those things were true. Uh, Today, we believe that we can reproduce and we can sustain. We feel like the best way um, to make it count, to use the time and resources and energy that we have as a church is to pursue this and and begin a new location, specifically in the Bearden area of Knoxville. When Jesus is teaching us to go and to teach, uh, to baptize, when he's giving us the Great Commission, what he is uh, uh, telling us to do is is not just learn and then sit down. He's telling us to teach, get baptized, help people grow in their faith, And then as that person learns, they are then to go and teach and help people get baptized and help them grow in their faith. And then that person is to go and teach and help people get baptized and grow in their faith. So it's this idea of multiplication, disciples making disciples who make disciples and continue to impact. And so that's why we would say we are in the position now where we feel led to do this. Um, I would also say that the reality is We need more churches, period, all over the United States. We just need more churches. And so uh, when we look at this, uh, there's an article called The Seven Startling Facts. says that between 3,500 and 7,000 churches close their doors every year in America. Some stats say that for every one new church that opens, four close. So the reality is, and this is uh, pre-COVID, many churches are gonna close their doors because of covid uh, many churches are already closing their doors. In fact, there is only 19, uh, There is also a 19% decrease in church attendance in the last decade in America. So fewer churches, less people attending. George Barnard says in, uh, since 1991, the adult population in the U.S. has grown by 15%. But during that same period, the number of adults who do not attend church nearly Doubled, rising from 39 million to 75 million people. That's a 92% increase. If the current trend continues in America, by 2050, only 11% of people in our country will be attending church. We need more churches. We need more healthy churches. And not only that, again, this is pre COVID stats. How is this gonna impact the landscape of our country? How is this gonna impact the landscape of our area? So why Knoxville? Few things to consider. First of all, we have a lot of people coming from Knoxville to come to FC. A lot of people who are watching online who live in the Knoxville area. Um, And so that's step one. But also in 2019, Knoxville made the top 100 most post-Christian cities in America. Post-Christian cities cities. There are over 19,000 cities in America and we made the top 100 this area. 32% of Knoxville is unchurched, never been to church before. So when we look at the Bearden area, we know that that is one of those areas that is actually even higher than that. I look at the high schools in that area and I know that there aren't any churches that are effectively Engaging those campuses. A lot of teenagers, a lot of teenagers who aren't hearing the gospel, who don't have an adult leader in their life, investing into them, showing them, giving them direction. You know what happens when teenagers don't have direction and don't have the gospel? A country continues to go in the wrong direction. I believe God has equipped us to go and make a difference to do something, to use what we have learned, to multiply what we have experienced, essentially pick up uh, what we know and and, and and how God is using us and, and, and put it in that area. So we will be one church in two locations, not a church plant. The difference between a church plant and a location is that we would just give... Support, maybe resources and and send a pastor to go start it and say, hey, good luck with that. And we're here if you need us. And he just kind of leads to his own vision. That's not, it's not a church plan, it's a location. So it's one church in two locations. So on Sunday morning, the same exact service, right? This live music, all the ministries, the signature ministries that we hear at FC are there, looks and feels the same, same logo, same everything. When it comes time for preaching, it's a live stream from this campus to uh, that location, right? It's a one church, two locations, same gospel, same mission, same vision. And I truly believe that we're gonna see hundreds, if not thousands of people come to know Christ over the years. We'll see marriages healed. We'll see young people called to ministry, young people give their life to Christ. And you and I will be a part of something that not many people will ever be able to say in their lifetime. And that is that we help create church, brand new church. And so how do we know God's gonna bless it? How do we know He's gonna, gonna, gonna do that? Well, we don't know exactly the, the, the how of everything. We know what and we know why. We we know why. The why is the great commission. We know what is to, you know, create a church just like what we have here, there. And we know based on what God has done in the past, we trust that he's going to do it again. Based on his faithfulness in our past, we know he's going to do it again. That's why we don't let fear dominate us today. Despite what everyone in the community is thinking and saying, we don't let fear rule us because we've seen what God has done in our past. Not only in my past, but I've seen what he does in, 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 in the lives of men and women who are fully surrendered to him all throughout the scriptures. And we know that his faithfulness, we know that his love always endures throughout all generations, and that includes now. And also includes in the future when you and I, when our, when our life, when we're gone, the brevity of our life is gone, this location, the location in Knoxville lives on and we'll be a part of something that God uses for generations. That's why we need everyone involved. Some of you need to be a part of this launch team. And you would say, you know what? We're gonna make that Knoxville location the place that we attend on Sunday. We're gonna serve, help us get it going. Maybe you might say, we'll go for a year. Um, For some of you, it might be your long-term commitment that you would just stay there. We need to know who you are. We'd love for you to to, to join us in that endeavor and, and help us create what we believe God is calling us to create. But as we make this plan, we've gotta be flexible. We've gotta ensure that this plan is made with the blessing and direction of the Holy Spirit. We don't make a plan without God. When you make a plan for 2021, don't make a plan without God. Recognize the brevity of life. Don't wait for tomorrow. Go after it now. And whatever God is telling you to do, do today. Don't put it off, do it today. And for some of you, that might be a commitment to actually give your life to Jesus. And that's the decision that you need to make today. Don't put it off any longer. Let's bow our heads. Father, You know, in this space, in this room, there might be someone here today that's never given their life to you. Well, I pray that you would convict them, give them the grace to feel that conviction and burden. Is there anybody in this room right now, as we're all praying, is there anybody that would say, I'm unsure about my salvation? I'm unsure about that uh, decision in my life. And by a a show of hands, you would just slip your hand up, put it down. I'm not gonna call you out. Anybody at all that's to say, that's me? Anybody? See one. Anybody else say, I think that's me? Let me encourage you today that if that is you, act on what the spirit of God is doing in your heart today. Don't put that off. We have a room in the atrium called the Care and Prayer Room. It's where our volunteers can, can speak into your life and encourage you and pray with you. Encourage you to go there today. And just say, hi, my name is, whatever your name is, and say, I think I need to give my life to Jesus. It'd be the most important and powerful decision and thing that you've ever done in your entire life. And from that day forward, then you can have that confidence. I know for many in the room, it's been a rough year. Plans have been altered. But we believe in a God of miracles. We believe he's gonna do what he's done in the past. We know he's gonna do it again. Father, for everyone in the room who is struggling and feeling the weight of altered plans, help us to recognize the failure that we have made. Some of us have just, made a plan without you. Some of us just procrastinate and we just put off what we know to do. Help us to overcome these mistakes today and step forth in faith, step forth in love, step forth in trust. Despite our fears, despite our mistakes, trusting that you are for us and you are gonna do something incredible in our lives as we are obedient to your command and your call. Do it again, God. And we pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Foothills Church. If you made a decision to follow Christ while listening today, or if you have some more questions about what that looks like, then let us know. You can text SC decision to 97000 or you can head over to foothillschurch.com/decision. We hope you have a great week.